Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 66. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Tim Miller. Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. Let's go. All right. It is great to have you here. Tim Miller is the founder and CEO of Surf City Garage in Huntington Beach, California. Surf City Garage is a company that creates superior, high-quality car care products for automotive enthusiasts. Tim's passion for automobiles goes back to his childhood, when he saved up and purchased his first car, a 1967 Pontiac GTO with a four-speed. He raced on weekends all over Southern California, and fast forward 30 years, and now Tim's car collection is over 130 show-quality vintage muscle cars, known as the Surf City Garage American Muscle Car Collection. They're on display in a showroom decorated with neon and memorabilia and includes a complete restoration shop. And then in 2007... In order to keep his collection looking great, Tim decided to create his own line of surface care products, and Surf City Garage Detailing Products was born. Now sold worldwide in over 30 countries, the Surf City name has brought the Southern California car culture shine to enthusiasts everywhere. So Tim, I've told our listeners a little about you. Please take some time and share some more about your history, your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Okay, Mark. First of all, thanks for the invite. Appreciate being here. You're welcome. You know, I uh, grew up in Southern California in the car culture. I got my driver's license in 1970. And so uh, up to that point, you know, back in California, uh, back in the day here, you could get a learner's permit at 15 and drive a car with a licensed driver. So a lot of my buddies had their license uh, as soon as I got my permit. Uh, I could drive my car. I worked pretty much all my life. Uh, my father was in the construction business, so I worked on the weekends, uh, worked after school, saved my money, and when I was 15 years old, I was fortunate enough to buy a 67 GTO, three years old. Uh, I had about 18,000 miles on it. I was the second owner. Mariner turquoise inside and out and four-speed, and that's about the only options it had. But I uh, had this car probably eight months before I actually had a driver's license. So I would I would actually just start it up and listen to it in the driveway. <laughs> uh, I also waited for anyone to need to go to the store for anything. Of course. And I would take them. So that was my my first car. When I got my license, I was completely bitten by the racing bug because my my older brother at the time was racing a 62 Pontiac Grand Prix 
in Southern California here uh, back in the 70s. We had racetracks um, all over the place. We had Lions. We had Carlsbad, uh, Orange County International, Irwindale, Pomona. There's only a couple of those left now. But every Wednesday and every Saturday, uh, we would we would go racing. Uh, I remember working for uh, my father in construction, and I would actually take my paycheck on Friday down to a little speed shop here in Westminster, California. It was called JNS Speed Center, and Roy, the owner, would cash my check by uh, handing me back a small box of parts and <laughs> cash to get by on for the rest of the week. Very and, cool. Uh, that's that's how I spent my my teenage years. I absolutely loved everything about cars, all cars, um, kind of partial to Pontiacs because that's what I had in the beginning, but I have all kinds of cars now. They're pretty much equal to me. Fast forward a little bit. I started my own construction company at a very early age. Uh, I've been doing it now for about 37 years, and we specialize in building supermarkets. Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, as the company grew, uh, again, I was very fortunate to um, be able to indulge my hobby a bit and started uh, locating some of the cars that, that I really wanted to have uh, but couldn't afford at an earlier age. It grew from there. Uh, when we started Surf City Garage uh, a number of years ago, it was really out of necessity that I created a, a line of products to use on my own cars. I really had no intentions of ever being in the the retail business, uh, let alone the manufacturing business, but was kind of pulled into it. We uh, created these products, and we started giving out little samples to our friends, little uh, clear bottles with, say, chrome polish in it with duct tape on it that just said chrome polish, <laughs> or uh, a detail spray that had a piece of duct tape on it. And we'd give out a few, and then it became hundreds, and then it became thousands. And so... That was uh, kind of the, the time when, you know, light bulbs came on and decided to uh, make it into a business. So that's really my story. It's a fantastic story, entrepreneurial story, certainly, because you are an entrepreneur at heart, having started your own construction business at a young age. And then taking your passion and wrapping a whole new business around it is a fantastic story. And it's everything that Cars yeah is all about is for inspiring automotive enthusiasts to listen to stories like this and say, you know what, you can do this too. Take your passion to find a way to incorporate a business into it. As we continue on your journey, I like to start with a success quote, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and success. This is a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Tim, take the wheel. You know, uh, there's lots of uh, quotes that are uh, near and dear to me, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Will Rogers, actually. And, mm. <laughs> uh, for uh, uh, for a business quote, he was asked one time, you know, what's the, what is the secret to being successful in business? And in his Will Rogers style, he just kind of sat back and he said, well, it's quite simple, actually. Uh, three things. Know what you're doing, love what you're doing, and believe in what you're doing. And I think that totally sums up exactly the way I feel about business. Uh, I have two daughters that uh, put them through college for vocations that have nothing to do with what they're doing now. And that's just fine with me because I think people ought to get up in the morning 
and absolutely love going to work. If they do that, they will be successful. And so I think that quote means a lot to me for that reason. It's akin to a great quote by Henry Ford about, if you love what you do, you'll never go to work a day in your life. So has a lot right. of the, the same meaning as Will Rogers. And it sounds like you've obviously tied that into your business and your life and how you run things. Could you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? Tell our listeners that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. You know, I think it really goes back. Um, I was probably five or six years old. My dad bought a brand new, his first brand new vehicle was a 58, 58 uh, Chevrolet stepside truck. And Back then, they had a company, I'm not even sure if they're around anymore, but Fenton Exhaust, and that was popular for a six-cylinder motor, but it had a very distinctive sound. And I can remember riding in the back. Uh, Of course, you could do that back then, uh, riding in the back of this truck down the street with my ear up to the cab because I could hear the resonation of that Fenton Exhaust. I could still hear it in my ear. (laughs) And so that was... I think the time when I was just bitten by engines. My brother racing his 62 Grand Prix, I was several years younger than him, and so I would help him in the garage, probably more in his way than helping him, but I would (laughs) help him prepare his car for the race that weekend. And so I was really born into it. Isn't it funny, and I hear this story over and over again with my guests on Cars Jazz, It's a time and place with a parent riding in the back of a car or in the garage helping dad or, in your case, your brother. And it was just something that uh, made you realize you have oil running through your veins. Your breakfast could consist of nuts and bolts instead of cereal. So great story. Tim, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your business that really pushed you to a breaking point? And more importantly, share with the listeners how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, you know, Mark, the way I feel about a breaking point is I've never actually gotten to that breaking point. That's by design. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that it's truly important that that you do business in such a manner that you don't get overly involved, overly excited. That leads to confusion, uh, things like that. But I can tell you that I take business very serious. I just don't make it my life. And so at the end of the day, I, I make probably a dozen decisions during the day that can greatly affect my livelihood, either making money, losing money, uh, creating a customer or losing a customer. I mean, these are strategy-altering decisions. However, at the end of the day, it is indeed just business. And so I've always had that philosophy. I've never been in business to particularly uh, just for the monetary gain. That's kept me from getting to that breaking point. Now, having said that, there are so many challenges along the way that it would be difficult for me to pick one out, but I, I'll try to do that here with uh, with Sur City Garage. Okay. Uh, here's a small group of people in Huntington Beach that are doing really the impossible, and that's take a product nationally. Uh, when we started this seven, eight years ago, we were pretty naive. I mean, we, we thought that it would be 
a fairly easy thing. All you have to do is make the best product that you can possibly make and uh, get it out on the shelves and people will love you for it. However, there are so many hurdles for that, buyers and promoters and sales reps and trademark lawyers and all these things. I think that that's probably the biggest challenge is simply the enormity of it. When we first started, we had a specific strategic plan, and that was to stay regional in California, something that we could control a little better. However, uh, with the, the Internet, it makes it difficult, if not impossible, for any company that sells anything to anyone to be just regional. And so we were pulled rapidly into over 30 countries, were sold uh, in every state in, in the United States. And so promoting and managing and marketing on that scale for a small group of folks, back when we started, we only had a couple of people here. Now we've grown a lot since, and we're in probably 150,000 square foot manufacturing facility now, and we have numerous great people that help us. But in the beginning, it's a challenge. It's a bit like pushing a train uphill. Oh, I can only imagine. And what's marvelous about your story is is the pivoting that you had to do, and so many companies have to do that. You start thinking you're going down one path, and things start to pull you in other ways, and the ability to resist those pulls or just go with those pulls and say, you know what, the market's bigger than we thought, so let's do it. Certainly adds challenges, but also can bring great success as it has for Surf City Garage. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Tim, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the- and share with us a story when you had a real aha moment with your business, a time when you realized that your idea and your concept really had some merit and it was going to make it. Tell us those steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. You know, I can specifically tell you when that happened for me uh, with Surf City Garage. Again, we, we started it for for our own products to use our own cars. We have uh, 130, 140 cars here at Surf City Garage, and we, uh, we restore them for our collection, we maintain them for our collection, and we needed great products for them. And so when we created those products, and, and like I mentioned earlier, we were sending out samples to all of our friends, at one point, we were getting so many calls. And remember, I'm in the construction business. I wasn't in the wax business. Mm-hmm. And so our phones were lit up all the time with not construction clients, but with folks saying, hey, a friend of mine, you know, turned me on to this, this wax and, you know, where can I buy it? There were so many of those that it was literally like a light bulb. <laughs> Something has to change here. And so we had to look into the business itself and find out if, I knew there was a at least a regional market for enthusiasts, but uh, it's quite a different thing to make it available to the masses. And so that's when all the work begins and all the analytics of finding out, you know, what the investment's going to be and what the, the real work is going to be. So oh. that was my aha moment. It's a great aha moment in the sense that something you were doing to be nice to people and solve a problem they had, and that was how to care for their very special vehicles, exploded into an actual business. So I love that story. A great aha story. Let's have a little fun here, and maybe we've already answered this question, but maybe not. 
What was your first very special car? Not so much your first car, that GTO, but the first car that really meant something to you. And would you share a special memory or two you had with that vehicle? Well, you know, I'm really fortunate to have lots of special cars. I'm a bit of a different kind of collector. I'm not really one simply to buy a car that's already restored, although I have done that. Uh, some of my cars are low-mileage originals that don't need to be restored, and they're just preserved. And some of them, uh, the ones that we do restore, are nut-and-bolt uh, frame-off restorations. But my GTO was certainly special for obvious sentimental reasons. I think that uh, each new car I get, we try to have a special attachment to it. Plainly, I mean, my wife, Patty, and I, usually once a year, go on what we call a road trip, and I'll purchase a car somewhere in the U.S. We fly in. I buy it on the computer. Uh, I've got a bit of experience of reading between the lines on cars, and so I'll buy it. Uh, we'll fly in, and I drive it home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've driven cars home from every corner of the U.S. I do it as kind of a memory-making road trip, Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some fantastic stories out of each and every one of those. But also, just to see if you can make it home. Uh, that's kind of a <laughs> hobby of mine. Oh, yeah. Before uh, before 9-11, we used to be able to travel with a small handbag of tools. But now, the typical scenario is I'll buy a car somewhere. Uh, we'll fly in. I'll go into the local auto parts and get a few hand tools, fan belt, and a few necessities. We'll go pick up the car, uh, get out of the taxi, and uh, drive it home. We just recently drove one home from uh, Longmont, Colorado, that I purchased a 69 Dodge Charger. Beautiful original car, but it was old and tired. And we drove it uh, in August through Las Vegas, through the Eisenhower Tunnel in Colorado. Vapor locked cars everywhere on the side of the road. And that old Charger made it through this fine. 116 degrees in in Las Vegas at the time, no air conditioning. So my wife's quite a quite a sport. Yes, She's never complained once. <laughs> well, what a fun way to get acquainted with a new vehicle. And I had a similar experience. My son, when he was eight years old, went with me to Long Beach, California. I live up here in the Northwest, but Long Beach down there near you in Huntington Beach. And we picked up a little sports car that John Wilhoyt had built and restored and drove it home. It had no top, no heater, no radio. And when we were about to leave, I said, well, I've got some tools and a belt, just like you said, and my cell phone. What else do I need? And he said, a good attitude. <laughs> and so I think it sounds like <laughs> no, he, that's true. you and your, your wife, Patty, have a great attitude. And what a fun way to get to know a car. That's super. You know, the cars were easier to work on in, in the 60s and 70s than they are now. I mean, the new cars that we drive now, I wouldn't have a clue. I mean, I can't hardly find the engine when you pop the hood. But on a muscle car, I work on them so much that unless there's a catastrophic failure, say a piston coming out of the side of the block, I can get it home. Yeah. And so that's what I love about them. How about seller's remorse? You've had a lot of vehicles in your life, and I assume there's many that have passed your hands. Is there a vehicle that you sold in your past that you really wish you could have back? Yeah, for sure. That's my GTO. I mean, yeah. It was my first car. I ran that at every every racetrack in Southern California. Um, I went to high school in that car. Uh, all of my 
my teenage memories are in that car. I let it slip through my hands back when it was just a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't like a classic. I've been looking for it ever since. Unfortunately, I don't have the VIN number. I only have the license number. Mm. So I've gone to great lengths to find that car. But uh, I would trade three of my uh, my best cars for that one car. That's how much it meant to me. All right. Well, whoever owns that car out there and is listening to this, there's your chance. Three cars for one. So <laughs> give Tim a call at Surf City Garage. Is there a current project you're working on right now, Tim, that really has you excited? Maybe it's a vehicle you're storing, or maybe it's a project that you're working on at Surf City Garage. You know, I really have both. Um, we we stay pretty active and busy here, and uh, we have some great hot rods that we're restoring right now uh, that we're building. I've got a 67 uh, convertible Pontiac that Art Morrison uh, uh, suspension and uh, Butler engine, uh, the, the whole the whole nine yards that we're putting together, that's that's a fun car. I also have some things uh, at work that are pretty exciting to us. You know, the detailing business hasn't changed a whole lot in many, many years. And so we're trying to change that. You know, here in California, we have this huge drought. A lot of cities, it's even illegal to wash your car. So we've created some great water-free products that, that I wouldn't hesitate to use on a Ferrari. And so that's pretty exciting. And really, all in all, it's uh, we're trying to make detailing products more simple, more easy, uh, drop the confusion out of it, and that's pretty exciting to us. Oh, that's great. And that old paradox of choice, you walk into a store to buy a, a car wash, and there's 50 car washes, and you stand there and go, uh... Which one should I buy? So I think making things easier, and certainly as uh, us baby boomers age, uh, making it easier to keep our cars clean, the products as they go on, wax on, wax off, is a great direction. And of course, water issues in California and throughout the country, and even the world in many cases, uh, creating products that work where you don't have to have a hose and bucket, but you don't risk damaging that paint or the chrome or the finish uh, is a great direction. So it sounds like some good things are about to come out from Surf City Garage on top of your already existing fantastic line. Now here's an interesting question. If you were a car, Tim, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, that's a great question. You know, I'd love to think that I would be, you know, a Corvette or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. But the fact is, if you were to match up my personality with a car, it's definitely going to be a classic truck. It's going to be a probably a classic Chevy truck. I mean, I've driven trucks my whole life. I love cars, and I drive them all the time. But I really am, even my collection um, is, is a blue-collar type collection. That's what I grew up with. That's what I love. Now, it's hard to explain to people when they walk into a room of 130 cars and say, these are working men cars. In fact, that's what they are. Back in the day, electricians and plumbers bought these cars. And so I didn't really grow up with Ferraris and Lamborghinis, although I loved them as a mechanical work of art. Uh, I love a a classic uh, Chevy truck. In fact, one of my my favorites is my 58 Chevy truck that my dad bought brand new, and I learned how to drive in it, and I've still got it. So that's definitely who I am. That's great. I love the way you answered that question, too, and the fact that you've got your dad's truck. That's extra special as well. So I'm guessing that wouldn't be one of the three cars you'd trade for that GTO. No, I think that (laughs) car is going to stay in the family for uh, long after I'm gone. Long time. That's good. I like that. 
So, Tim, we're up to an interesting part of the questions I call the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's the best automotive advice that you've ever received? You know, I had a meeting with a friend of mine, Ron Coleman, at uh, CEO of Comp Cams, when I first started this. And, uh, he told me something that absolutely stuck with me, and that's uh, if you're going to make something to sell in the automotive world, you must make sure that it's new, better, and different. And I use that phrase every single day. New, better, different. I love it. That's great. Would you share one of your personal habits with our listeners that you believe has contributed to your success? You know, I think without question, research and uh, not only the pre-sale research, but the after-sale research. We need to we need to know who our market is. Uh, we need to know our products better than uh, than we know ourselves. And so it requires a lot of time and uh, researching and, and analysis. And so I think that without that, most things are a shot in the dark. And so we try to invest our time and money in things that we have thoroughly analyzed and thoroughly uh, vetted for the best possible chances of success. And I think we do that really well. Great idea, great suggestion. And of course, the way the market is these days, the minute you figure out who your customer is, they switch on you (laughs) and become so many different. So it's great, though. That's a perfect way to approach business and life in many ways. Do you have a resource that you would share with us that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website that you frequent. You know, it's pretty obvious and cliche type answer, but the internet as a whole is, you know, life's library now. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, uh, there are so many great sites, so many forums, uh, so many ways to get information quickly that we never had before. And so it's difficult for me to pull out one website or, or, or a shop, but you know, when you even think about restoring a car, 20 years ago, we had to search through, say, Pomona Swap Meet, miles and miles of cars to find a, you know, a, uh, a part for a 41 Plymouth. Now I can go on eBay, and within 15 minutes, I can probably find some guy in Tennessee that's got that part. That's amazing to me. Oh, so yeah. the Internet as a whole is really just a resource central. It is, it is, and it is spectacular too, especially for collectors these days. You can find anything out there. It's just, I, I'm continually amazed looking for parts or friends looking for parts. Uh, it just befuddles me all the time going, I found it, there it is. And people have everything for sale and anything you want, you can find it. So it's a great, great way to uh, to have uh, life around cars these days. Tim, would you share a book with us that you recently read that you really enjoyed? You know, I probably read about a book a week. Uh, I'm an avid reader, and most of my books are are uh, something that I can get something out of. And I can tell you that one of my favorite books of all time for business and marketing is uh, entitled Eating the Big Fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, the author is Adam Morgan. This is really about our story. I mean, we are the small group of guys that, you know, our, our competitors are Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. 
and I get a big charge out of uh, figuring out how to maybe outdo them in a marketing uh, stunt or get on the shelf where we really shouldn't be on the shelf against a larger company. And that book is great for uh, advice. Great resource, great book. I've read it as well. And uh, for you entrepreneurs out there, pick it up and read it. You'll learn a lot. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, you know, I uh, I still ride my uh, uh, Harleys all the time. I also collect and play uh, vintage guitars. I have several uh, hobbies that uh, some of my hobbies get a bit out of hand. It's difficult for me to. Uh, it's a good thing I don't collect, you know, airplanes or something <laughs> like that because it's it's hard to stop at just one. Oh, yeah. So I have a great collection of vintage uh, Fender and Gibson guitars, and I enjoy those. Ah, very cool. Well, I will remind our listeners that you can find links to all these resources that Tim has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Tim Miller. Tim, we're up to the checkered flag and being an ex-racer, or maybe you do some racing now, you know what that means. The checkered flag's out, and we're nearing the end. This last question can be a real doozy for some people, especially for you given the size of your collection. If you could only have one collector car, and I said one, in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money's no object, what would that one car be and why? Well, you know, Mark, my obvious answer is really truly obvious, my 58 truck, because I I have photos on my website of me sitting on the on the fender of that truck when I was five years old. And then to look at it now, it's, uh, it has all Corvette running gear, uh, fuel injected with air conditioning and, and all of the, the fun stuff. And I drive it often and I would never be able to part with that car. So if you, if you removed that, that truck out of the, the question, I'd have to say that it would be something from Detroit. Uh, I, even though, if any car in the world were available, I would still gravitate to probably a 69 uh, GT500 orange with a white interior convertible. Uh, and I'm actually still looking for one of those. It's on my short list. If I could only have one car, I wouldn't mind having that one. And what is it about that car that really pulls on your heartstrings? Well, you know, uh, funny enough, in high school, one of the quote-unquote rich kids there had one. Uh, His father bought him one, and uh, um, here's a 16-year-old driving this thing around. I absolutely fell in love with that car. I had a great car myself with a GTO, but that car is still burned into my memory. And I've had an opportunity a couple of times to pick one up uh, just recently at uh, Derek Jackson, the exact car that I just described was sold, but it happened to be Carroll Shelby's personal car, so it was stratospheric in price. Right. Uh, so I just have a lot of memories with that particular car yeah. as a young man. Yeah, you know, so many people that answer that question for me, it does go back to their youth in a moment in time, an experience they had. And uh, you seem to fall into that same category with that vehicle. And I have no doubt you're going to find one of those someday, and it's going to be sitting in that collection of yours. Great answer. Well, Tim, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories and learning more about you and Surf City Garage. I want to thank you for joining me today. If you could give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 
500. And then let our listeners know what's the best way they can learn more about you and your business, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, Mark. Uh, one thing that has worked for me, and I absolutely live by it in, in life and in business, and it's one of the most important things that a person can have, but sadly, far too few people uh, in business have it. And it's also ironically something that's completely obtainable by anyone and that's integrity integrity in business integrity in life is to me one of the most important things and a lot of folks think that integrity is just a word um i often tell the the younger people that that work with me here they just get out of business school and you know they're ready to go out and and uh, make their mark but without the integrity that's truly the missing link in in many uh, companies. And I often tell them that integrity is most obvious when it's painful. It's difficult to make decisions sometimes that you know is the right one. But sometimes you just have to pull your wallet out and make it right or take your time and make it right. A lot of car builders out there, they'll build great cars, and if something is just a little bit off to guys with integrity, they fix it. And sometimes it hurts, but that's really what you're known by. So that one thing is the most important thing that I could leave them with. Uh, our website is surcitygarage.com. Love to have anyone come by and look at a virtual tour of some of our cars and check out some of our products. And again, thanks for having me. It was fun. Uh, it was great fun. I really appreciate it. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about again here at carsyad.com slash Tim Miller. Just put Tim in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up and links to Surf City Garage and all the great resources he has shared with us today. Thank you, Tim, for being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. See you later, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.